Today on Locked On Canadians, the Habs get a shellacking, and should they call up Arbor Jacka and play him at forward? You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 986. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. As you know, we are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where you get your team every day, and we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Laura Saab, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matlov, Habs Eyes on the Prize. And Scott, we have some things to say about the game. We just watched the Montreal Canadiens play. Yeah, uh, I have a lot of things I'd like to say about this game, most of which I can't say on this podcast without forcing my co-host uh, to edit in all the bleep sounds in here so we don't get demonetized on uh, YouTube and get an explicit label for our podcast. Uh, Spo- spoil, not spoiler, but uh, peek behind the curtain. I know how to do that on the audio. I haven't figured out how to do that on the video. So that's why we don't believe things. Or, you know, I managed to keep my, you know, tongue firmly, you know, clamped down in my mouth here. This was a game that started very fun and that it was close. And then everything just fell apart for the Canadians. They lost 6-1. I texted Laura at 4-1 that this game is over. Let's sit down and record. Can I just uh, say, though, like we, it cannot be overstated how much the score was 2-1 heading into the third period. Yeah, and it's like, so a good first period. A little bit chaotic, sloppy, but, you know, two lower half of the league teams. You're going to get that kind of hockey in here. And I didn't think the Habs were playing poorly. And then there were two dubious penalty calls. One against David Savard on a slash that I can kind of see it. Mostly don't, but I have, you know, my, my blinders on for that. And then a penalty on Mitchell Stevens for bracing for a hit from Peyton Krebs and being too strong and knocking Krebs over. He gets two minute interference penalty. Both of those power plays for the Sabres result in goals. Canadians nowhere to be found on the penalty kill after a good-looking stretch for a bit. And, you know, Yol Armia that on another manages to pants uh, Rasmus Dahlin on another power play, scores a ridiculous shot after his first goal was disallowed for goaltender interference on Michael Pozzetta. And then the game just got away from the Canadians. The structure, the calmness in the defensive zone, gone. Out the window, nothing there. And it's frustrating because they're a better team than the Sabres are this year. And of course, we I said this in the preview show and we've joked about it all year. Devin Levi came into this game with an 888 save percentage. Struggling, not looking good. First start in his home province. And what does he do? Lights out, prime Patrick Waugh, Dominic Hasek denying the Canadians anything. It's the laziest, most predictable script in the book. If you have a struggling Quebecois goaltender and you are coming to Montreal, put him in the net, enjoy your 
45 save win over the Canadians and get out. Just get out because I'm tired of seeing this. And it's not on Devin Levi. It's a game that they just weren't good enough when it counted. They were there and then they collapsed. And when the collapse started, it rolls downhill quickly. It is not like a goal or two in the first period, a goal or two. It is one, two, four, five, six goals. It steamrolls downhill so fast and it takes the team out of it. Power play wasn't good enough. Penalty killing wasn't good enough. And I don't want to bully the guy because it wasn't all his fault tonight, but he's not exactly making a case for himself. That sixth round pick they offered for Jake Allen might be an overpay after this game. He's clearly the third best goaltender on this team now. We and that's a wild thought yesterday. Yeah. Our, our whole episode's <laughs> out of date already. Basically like it's, it's wild because I know he's better than this. And my big thing is the seven defenseman thing isn't working. Uh, because at any given time, only two out of the seven defensemen are capable of competently playing defense. And that's Jaden Struble and occasionally, uh, and for the most part, Caden Gooley. Outside of that, who knows? It's, it's a guessing game. And I'm, I'm frustrated. They should be better than this. I haven't even looked at who they're playing next, and I know it's probably going to be annoying and not great. It's the Rangers and then the Flyers. Oh, great. Love that. Hate. I mean, I hate that on a number of levels because the Flyers are – well, the Flyers lost in a shootout tonight, and the Rangers won 4-1 over Chicago, so that tells us nothing. I, I was hoping this would be their kind of get right to level things out after Dallas. They won a game in Dallas. They stole that game in Dallas. This one, they played about 15 good minutes out of 60, if that, and just collapsed in a pile of their own shame. And Martin St. Louis can sit on the bench and he can roll his eyes. It's your team. Get them prepared to play. Get this figured out because we're getting past the point where they should be having performances where they just don't show up at all against they've beaten twice this year and played well against in those two games. Especially after beating a much better team. And that's the thing is they played Tampa. Great. Should have won that game. Didn't. Not the end of the world. Came out. Should have lost to Dallas, but stole a win. You should be able to find where you were against Tampa against a worse team that is struggling, that is behind you in the standings and hasn't been consistent all year with save percentages below 900 on all their goalies. You made them look amazing tonight. It's... I, I I try to like have some form of like, you know, balanced analysis. I just look at this game and I go, it was crap. And it was crap from almost not the start. It was fine. But the minute it started going downhill, you could see everything going that it's not going to be the night. And there's a lot of blame to go around for that. It's not one person, but they can't get or every- one thing, right? Like the officiating was not great either, but it was overshadowed by how the halves unraveled in the third. Yeah, it's here's the thing is the officiating was bad again, both ways. It's not good. Uh, not as bad as the IIHF today, but that's a different story for another day. They should be better than this. And I'm not saying they should have won this game because they didn't deserve to, but six one is a storyline that should is a score line that would normally get people fired if this team was serious right now. I I want to see wholesale change, and I know they are injured to hell and back again. We know that. Do something at this point because you're treading on that line of we're making improvements and we're in the same place as last year with higher expectations for this season, and you got to figure out which way you want to go on that. 
it feels like only one thing goes right at a time. And I think that's, that's part of growing is that you're, you should be able to consistently improve on multiple fronts game to game. The other concern I have is that we haven't really had any stretches of anything, right? Like it hasn't been like, oh, for the last five games, the Canadians have played consistently well. Or for the last five games, the Canadians have played abysmally bad. It's not like that. It's a lot of up and down. It feels like a roller coaster of uh, of quality. Um, and it to me, like I just feel like at this point, Marty's been the coach for two years now. There needs to be more. There needs to be some sort of consistency. And that's the thing is, if they played like they did in the first period where they're competitive and fun and exciting, love that. Great. If you lose those games, great. It's when the wheels fall off and you're not showing me anything. We've seen them lose games, but, you know, Uri Slavkovsky is looking a lot better. The goaltending isn't the problem. You know, they're creating opportunities. Great. Love that more of that please when you're just kind of whatever this was tonight it's not it and i know they traveled and just got back to the bell center but like what are what what was your game plan tonight yeah the penalties against you weren't great kill the penalty you're on mute laura And in just one second, we're going to stop killing penalties and instead wonder if we can kill the curse on the Habs with Christian Dvorak out for the rest of the year. Are the Canadians ever going to get any injury luck? That's coming up in just one moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And it's not just the NFL. It's all kinds of sports. You can bet on pretty much anything at FanDuel, and the app is super, super easy to use. It's honestly so popular, so simple. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That is 150 bucks in bonus bets, whether you win or you lose. And the app, like I said, it's so many, it's so easy to use, and there's so many ways to bet, like live game, live same game parlays. Find you can find all the bets in the new explore tab that they have now. Uh, you can do a parlay in the parlay hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays and more. It's just all kinds of stuff there. And I like I said, it's just it's so so easy to use. It's really a no-brainer. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. And us? All right. So it feels like an avalanche of injury news all the time, every time. And this time is no different. Um, and it's been a few years that, unfortunately, Christian Vorak's health has been inconsistent. He's been injured a lot. Um, I don't think the Canadians or Canadians fans have been able to really see what he can do uh, based on, you know, when he was first traded for and that whole thing that we're not even going to revisit right now because it's oh, been going oh, on. Oh, 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 you no. want to revisit it? I, I'm going to revisit that. Re All right, you revisit it. <laughs> no, no, let's get through the first part of this and then I will dive into why uh, this is 
one of Mark Bergevin's biggest disasters. Uh, okay, because that's that. the thing is like all I've been doing today is having the same conversation in group chats. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so Christian Dvorak is now out of out for the year. Yeah, uh, torn pectoral muscle, which is not great. Not his fault. Nothing you can do about that. And dude got to Montreal and just decided I can't be healthy anymore. Uh, whether it be the knee injury last year that cost him the rest of last season, part of this season comes back promptly, immediately gets injured again this year. Uh, his first year here, he took a really cheap elbow to the base of the neck from, I believe it was Jared Spurgeon that went on called, gave him a concussion, knocked him out for almost 20 games. That one's not his fault and the officials missed that. So not great there. We're three years into Christian Dvorak coming in and being the replacement for two forwards key to the Canadian Stanley Cup final run. And I I don't want to bully Christian Dvorak because it's not his fault. But for all the bad trades that Mark Bergevin has made as a Canadian's general manager, you can look at Josh Anderson and signing him. You can look at Subban for Weber. You can look at uh, some, this is the one that sticks out to me. You lost Philip Deneau over $500,000 coming up a Stanley cup final run where he was your Selkie level forward key to getting this team going forward. You let him walk over $500,000. Yes. Barry Kotkaniemi was offer sheeted and you thought, okay, they're offering a lot, but not someone that I think is worth that kind of money. You let him go, collected the picks and promptly traded them for Christian Dvorak. One of those picks was then used in the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade and became, I believe, Philip Beestead, uh, who is a Sharks prospect now, I believe, in one of the trades here. Uh, and the other second-round pick now it has become a very early second-round pick for the Winnipeg Jets uh, based off the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. Every part about this gets worse in that you lost your young third-overall pick center and you lost your best pivot, your most consistent pivot down the middle, defensively, maybe not offensively in Philip Deneau. And you brought in Christian Dvorak thinking, ah, well, defensively, some of the numbers are there. Maybe he'll improve in Montreal. He can be. Philip Deneau will save a little bit of money. Got here, completely cratered under Dominique Ducharme, has not, has dropped the offense off the face of the earth, defense off the face of the earth, and what he was here for to win faceoffs, who cares? It's a monumental disaster. And in a season where you lost your number two center in Kirby Doc to a knee injury, a game in, okay, Christian Dvorak can come back, maybe play a middle six role there and try and take some pressure off of Nick Suzuki and ghost. I, I could not tell you one Christian Dvorak highlight from this season. And it it's not his fault, but at this point, it. It's a disastrous trade that that Kent Hughes now has to clean up after. Like the entire thing, starting with how they handled the Asperi Kotkaniemi from the minute he was drafted through his first season to his second season, sending him to the AHL, bringing him back, scratching him in the playoffs, making him a rig. Terrible. It's terrible asset management. And then you wondered why he walked and didn't have any issues about leaving Montreal. And now he's a pretty damn good, you know, middle six center for the Carolina Hurricanes. It's it's a mess, and I it's so frustrating because the Canadians wouldn't maybe be a lot better, 
But I think with Dano and Kotkaniemi, they're not this bad. Not even close. Uh, and now the Canadians are down another center, which means their top three centers are Suzuki, Sean Monahan, and Jake Evans. Mitchell Stevens is your fourth line center. Uh, all respect to all those players. Uh, it's hot crap and probably the worst center profile in the NHL. And it's not relatively close. And I don't know what they can do to fix it right now. They do not have an AHL center that can come up and fix this. And Jake Allen's not getting you anything. It's, it is a mystery that I do not have an answer to right now. And I have talked for a while with all these thoughts that have been kind of bubbling in the back of my head here, but uh, I, I am done kind of hindsighting the Christian Dvorak saga in Montreal at this point. Right. And I honestly, I truly feel bad for him. He was brought here with so much baggage attached to that trade. And then under Dominique Ducharme, like who thrived under him? Really? Who did like Jonathan Drouin for four games? Really? Um, so I just, I feel bad for him because like a lot of these injuries too, they seem to be freak injuries or things that aren't really his fault or, you know, that kind of stuff. So like, he's not able to get momentum going. He's not able to show what he's truly capable of. And his game has fallen off so much that even if he does try, like how much better is it going to get at this point? Right. And that sucks because like we, we, like when I was, when that trade happened, I went back and I started reviewing how he was doing in Arizona and he wasn't terrible. He wasn't a disappointment. He was in fact quite underrated when it came to his underlying numbers. And I just, I feel really bad for him. And there's like, there are multiple players that get put into these positions by GMs and it just really, really sucks. If he had come at a lower price tag, not attached to the Kotkaniemi trade, did not have that much expectation on him. The Canadians didn't have a log jam at center. Like they have so many guys who could be a fourth or third line center, right? If he was put in that kind of position and he was cheaper, blah, blah, blah. Like, honestly, like nobody would would complain about this. But this looks in hindsight like such a terrible move. And I just like, like, imagine being the player at the center of that, you know, like, like off the ice. Like he did a lot to, um, you know, ingrain himself into the Habs fan base, into the city, like, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's not like. It's not like he doesn't care or he didn't care. It's just that he was put in under these circumstances and his luck has been pretty terrible. So I do feel really bad for him. But at the same time, now the Canadians have another injury. So who do you think, Scott, they move to that position? Uh, as of right now, uh, no one, because quote from Martin St. Louis after the game here. Oh, God. Martin St. Louis says they'll watch the game and reassess the 11 forward, seven defenseman formation ahead of Saturday's game against the Rangers. The game always speaks to you. We're going to listen. Marty, I need you to bring it in real, real close here, <laughs> bud. I want you to listen to me as I speak this truth to you. The game is staring you in the face and telling you. And yelling this, at you. This game, this style of whatever this is doesn't work you are down a forward you are down to ahl scraps for most parts on your fourth line here 11 and 7 is not working because half your defense can't play defense and half your offense can't offense right now go 12 and 6 send justin baron to the press box like you should have done two weeks ago because he hasn't been playing well call up emil heineman Call up Sean Farrell, 
put him on a wing in there, move Yolan, uh, Armia to the fourth line, leave Yessi Yolan in where he is, and put them in a, a spot to succeed offensively. This is not a difficult concept. 11-7 and seven is not working for your team right now. Yes, the goaltenders are struggling, but the defense in front of them is not doing that. Do not call up another defenseman unless you're going to send Barron or somebody else down to the AHL. Do not just, I don't want to see 11 and seven again. It doesn't work. They were lucky to win the Dallas game. They were good against Tampa, terrible against Buffalo. Overwhelming thing here says not good, bad, terrible. Do not repeat, which means they're going to repeat it, win and keep trying this anyways. (laughs) All right. Well, bold prediction that they're going to actually win uh, on the Saturday game against the Rangers. But you know what? We will have that covered. But speaking of 11-7, blah, 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 we got got a few mailbag questions, but this one was really intriguing. Um, And we are going to get to it in a second. And it involves our Jackeye. But first, this episode is brought to you by Sleeper. It is almost the halfway point in the season. And like we just said, the Montreal Canadiens are fits and spurts, floundering. They're just like they're basically just the epitome of highs and lows right now. And regardless of where they are in the current standings, I want to remind you that you could win big by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Lockdown NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. All you have to do is pick a player, a couple of players, and pick whether they will record more or less than their Sleeper projections for things, goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more in any given game. And on the app, you can also connect with other fans and you can play daily fantasy NFL, NBA, MLB, college football. It's got it all. And to get 100 times on Sleeper, you just need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Canadians fans. You can win 100 times your money by playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. All right, Scott, are you ready for the mailbag? We've got a few questions, and we've got one that I'm actually quite excited about. Well, as long as you don't ask me about defensive alignments or the penalty kill or Jake Allen or the Toronto Maple Leafs or the economic housing crisis or, 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 I think think we'll be all right on today's show. All right, so why don't we say, uh, we'll start this. (laughs) These are two draft questions. The first one comes from Brady. If you were transported into the body of Kent Hughes, would you draft Berkeley Cadden? Is that a real name? Yes, he's currently, last time I checked Tankathon, he was the person being mocked to To uh, the Canadians in the draft. Yes, with the seventh overall pick, Berkeley Cadden, yes. Um, And then we got, this is, we've been asked about this one before, Consta Hellenius? Helenius? Uh Consta Helenius, yes, yes, who is where where are you in here? Uh going sixth to the Sabres on Tankathon right now. <laughs> um and Mike or Michael Brancic Nygaard? 
Uh, yes, going currently 14th to the Coyotes on Tankathon. All right, uh, so in... which one would you pick, and who do you think the Habs will pick if these are the three choices? Out of those three, I'm taking Consta Hellenius, I think. Uh, I think Nygaard's a very good player, and once we get closer to draft season, we'll have to talk with Hattie. We'll talk with uh, Tony Ferrari again, too. Uh, if I am picking where the Canadians are and who I think they're going to pick, if he's there, they're taking Caden Lindstrom and everybody's computer just burst into flames because Caden Lindstrom is six foot five, a big physical forward out of the WHL with scoring touch and stop me if this sounds familiar. So we can do the entire Slavkovsky, uh, debate again, the minute that the next player picked after him starts dominating. The hardest part of this draft is it is very defensive heavy in the first round. I am looking here and there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten defensemen on Tankathon set to be picked in the first round. And there's a lot of very good players in there. If the Canadians pick a defenseman in this draft, I will scream, however, even though this is the year they definitely should have taken a defenseman and it should have taken uh, Zach Benson last year and then drafted like Zeev Boom or Anton Silyov this year. But <laughs> Which brings us to our next question from Casey. What are the chances that the Habs draft Zeev Boom? Probably pretty good because they like to infuriate this fan base. Zeev Boom's very, very good. He was very good at World Junior so far this year. He's been really good in the NCAA. Scouts love him right now. It's just if they pick a five foot eleven, hundred and sixty-five pound defenseman, this fan base is going to eat itself alive because they need they. This is not me saying oh they they you know should add one if they can. They need a talented scoring winger or scoring forward prospect in this pool right now. They do not have one that matches a profile of what they could draft here or what they should have drafted last year. I love a lot of the guys in the AHL. I like some of the forwards we have in the system. They do not have someone that qualifies as franchise altering in terms of a forward there right now. Uh, and finally, I have, I promised you there would be some fun on this show. This comes from our good friend, Carm, who we haven't heard from in a long time. So thank you for resurfacing. Hi, how are you? Um, hi, guys. It's been a minute. Hope you had a, a great holiday season. Crazy take. With our lockdown on defense and shortage of forwards, how crazy would it be to put uh, Arbor Jackai up as a forward, sort of like a Dustin Bufflin type? Let's hear your thoughts. No. Why? Uh, Hold on. Let, let's have some fun with this. <laughs> My fun is saying no and saying put Justin Barron there instead, to be quite honest with you. Um, it's, Go on. He, okay. <laughs> Kay's going to kill me, and I realize that this is probably a bit of hyperbole. Justin Barron's defensive game doesn't exist the minute he has to cross center ice. So put him <laughs> in a position where he has to defend as little as possible and put him on the wing. <laughs> Watching him try to make breakout passes and handle the puck behind his own net is like watching a blind baby deer wander through a minefield in the demilitarized zone. It's terrifying. I don't like it. And sometimes it ends in disaster and sometimes it works out just fine. Uh, I would put Jack Eye on the back end because he's looked a lot more confident in his own zone in the AHL and would stabilize that more. I would stick Baron on the wing before that. And before even that, I would put Mike Matheson up there. 
Oh, he's already playing there half the time anyways. So like <laughs> what, what could it possibly hurt to put Mike Matheson on the wing at this point? And then just like call up another defenseman and just make just him put Jack eye in, in or move Gooley up. And then you put Jack eye on the second pairing there and you let it ride. Like just, I, I wouldn't put Jack eye up there just because the giving him that much runway to hit people is going to be a lot of penalties. And that is, very very scary for a team that currently can't kill penalties in the slightest so counterpoint entertaining i mean you're not wrong you're definitely <laughs> not wrong in that regard i just i would like the habs to you know play a precedented normal game at some point this game. season <laughs> a precedented game instead of whatever the hell it is they're doing this season so um. uh I mean, I'd be opposed to it. I'd love to see how many uh, penalty minutes he could rack up as a forward, though. <laughs> Fair enough. That would be really fun. Um, so thank you for your mailback questions. And as always, if you ever want to ask a mailback question, you can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. Uh, you can leave it in the YouTube comments. Just write mailback question or MBQ at the beginning so we know it's a Friday mailback question and not just, you know, discussion amongst your peers. Um, uh, you can also tweet them at LO underscore Canadians. You can find either of us on social media. I'm at the Active Stick. Scott is at Scott Metal. And that last question came from instagram so you can find us literally anywhere um and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast as well as on youtube and before i let you go remember that locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on youtube locked on sports today is here for you 24 7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of locked on plus our national shows covering every league go to locked on sports today on youtube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel i will be back on monday with our three up three down and we will both be back for the rest of next week thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next week